All right, Justin. Sing me a song that no one's ever asked you about. <laughs> a song that no that one's ever it? asked me about? Yep. <laughs> uh, hmm. Uh, all in all, you're just a... Another brick in the wall. All right, that works. You all in all, we're just where. Oh, there's more. Other bricks in the wall. And it's kind of appropriate for this anyway. So there you go. All right. You get a point, Justin. There you go. Uh, Heather, same to you. Sing me a song that nobody's ever asked you about. Oh, man. Um, let's see song no one's ever asked me anything about um hit me baby one more time all right there you go you get a point too yay i just thought it was fitting because apparently when it comes to squid game people love talking about shit when uh, nobody asked for that opinion about it so mainly because it's not an opinion (laughs) about it i should say like you know, somebody goes, hey, what are your thoughts on Squid Game? Maybe you shouldn't just go out of your way to go. I never watched it. I don't even plan <laughs> on it. Because I'm watching MCU shit. I just don't get it. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? I don't know. Well, that's a That's amazing. Let me tell you all about it. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that. So I just said nothing. I think I just put a crying emoji or something. I didn't know what to say to that. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's kind of like those people when you're like asking for a recommendation on something, when you're like, hey guys, who's a good person for snow removal? And then like somebody in Texas goes, I don't know. I've never had my snow removed. Okay, motherfucker. (laughs) I don't need your fucking voice then. Oh man, that's very, very on point um, little example. Or if you're like, hey guys, where's a really great cheeseburger at? And somebody goes, I don't eat beef, so I don't know. Okay, motherfucker. Cool. (laughs) Thanks for that input. That really helps me in my, you know, search for a good cheeseburger. Or if somebody goes like, hey, what's a good turkey recipe for Thanksgiving? And somebody just wants to go on there and say, I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Okay. That does not help me with my dilemma of turkey recipe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to figure out if I should spatchcock this chicken or not, or turkey or not. That's a real thing. Spatchcocking (laughs) is a real thing. It's where you cut the spine out and you flatten it out. So it cooks more evenly. Not just throwing out weird, inappropriate words. It's an actual technique. I do have to ask, though. Did you did you follow your tradition of watching uh, Thanks Killing? I did not. Oh my god. Oh man. I did not. I should jump on that because fuck me. I forgot that I said all that. That was a year ago. I don't fucking remember this shit. 
You said you were going to make it a new tradition to watch it every year. Yeah, a year ago. I don't fucking remember. (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch it this week. So, anyway. It's more, I think it's more Things Killing 3. Because it was the far superior Things Killing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You crazy asses. Because you guys both like (laughs) Things Killing 1 better. (laughs) 3 was nonsense, but... I get it. Three was the best. There was a fucking Thanksgiving theme park. Oh, man. That movie. Anyways, moving on. Fuck Squid Game. Let's just talk about Thanksgiving all over again. (laughs) Here's Here's our theme music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we are saying fuck it, and we're talking about Things Killing 3 all over again, just off our memories and everything like that, nothing else. I'm just kidding, guys. We're talking about Squid Game today. We're a little late to the party, but yes, we are talking about the Netflix TV show Squid Game. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with it. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. With time codes in the description to help you jump around if you so require. Now, with all that, Heather, what are your thoughts about Squid Game? Um, well... It's definitely very intense. Um, I think that's probably the best word I can describe it as is, is very intense. I, you know, I heard about this, this show and I was just like, okay, maybe I'll get around to it. And then like literally everybody that I, I heard talking about it or saw posts about, it, they were all just like, this is amazing. This is crazy. This is intense. And so I was like, okay, I need to see what's going on here. And, you know, I will say, I mean, by the end of that first episode, you're really kind of invested. At least I was. I was just like, okay, so this is how we're going to, we're coming, we're coming out guns blazing in a sense. And we're just going to full force go into this. And, you know, even after the first episode, you're just like, I mean, if that's how that ends, what is the rest of the show going to be? You know, (laughs) like that was my thought with it. And it really, I mean, the way that they would end the episodes on these cliffhangers and, you know, the more you get to know some of these characters and you get a little bit more drawn into their stories and invested in them, you're, you're just like, I need to see what's going to happen. So it's definitely a show that is very binge worthy for sure. It definitely works best if you binge it. So, um, I, I do think it was, it was entertaining in the sense of, again, you're really enthralled with what's happening. I think that the games they do are they're they're interesting. Like they're they're unique. They they make you want to know, or at least for me, I was like, I just need to see what this next game is gonna be because like how can it get much crazier, you know? 
But, um, so I, I think it was creative with how they did some of the things. I think the story in itself is creative, uh, what they do with it. Um, I think I, I like how, um, the primary characters of the show all have very unique and different storylines and personalities and things like that, but you kind of equally want to get to know them. So I think they, they did that part of it really well, the character development and the, the character building. Um, it's there, There's definitely some things that are not my favorite. I think some of the things they do either don't make sense or are kind of pointless that they do. But, um, I mean, I, th- I think it's a good, it is a good binge watch, you know, just because you, even if just for wanting to be part of the conversation, you know, but also it is, it's good. It's creative. It's, it's different than a lot of things I've seen. And you're, you're definitely, I mean, you watch the first episode, you're going to be kind of hooked on it and it'll be easy to binge watch. So it's, it's got its problems. There are some things that definitely could have been done differently in it. Um, things that I don't like that they do just for the sake of doing, but again, you know, it really kind of ropes you in with the intense moments and the, the heavy moments and the really making you think about like, what would I be doing if I was in this situation right now? So. Um, it was definitely interesting and I will say if I, if I say nothing else about it, I will say, I'm glad that I did watch it through once. So yeah. What about you, Justin? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of in a similar place with you, Heather. This wasn't anything that I had heard about prior or, was anticipating the release of or anything like that. Really, I just heard about this because my timelines were just full of memes, references, and things like that to this when it came out. And it was such a global phenomenon at the time that it came out. And it was just so insanely popular across social media that it just, I had no choice but to go, okay, I need to put that on my list of things to see. And, you know, I just, but I was watching other things or we were trying to do movies for certain reviews or whatever the case may be. And I just kept kind of putting it off. And the reason I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say the reason why we're doing this is because Cinefans actually brought this up. And on our on our streaming post, you know, when we post what we're watching and stuff like that, and I almost even want to say, I don't even think we had posted, some of us had posted that we were, I think you and Sterling had said you were going to watch uh, Squid Game. And I want to say weeks later on an unrelated streaming post, somebody was like, hey, are you guys going to do a review of Squid Game? So I want to say that too, that this is so popular that even like we got, we heard rumblings of Cinefans wanting us to review this. So this is one of the few times where we did this because it was requested and we weren't asking for requests. This was requested by fans. So I think that that's even worth saying to kind of just put into perspective the influence that 
this has had not just uh, globally, but on us, which is why we are doing it, because, you know, we had some people message us and say, you should review this. So I thought that that was also worth saying. Um, but, but yeah, like this was, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we got on here whenever we did um, The Heart of They Fall. And I remember saying as far as streaming uh, series or streaming content, that that was one of the best things that I've seen all year. And um, I've got something else to add to that list. Uh, man, dude, these Korean films, man, I, I think that what I walked away from most of all, uh, you know, even after just all of the stuff that this brings up and stuff like that. Um, man, dude, the, these films in Korea, I'm going to have to start watching more Korean films because I, I, I'm starting to notice that I'm always impressed with what I see from them. I mean, whether you're talking about Train to Busan, there was a vampire movie called The Thirst that I loved. Of course, uh, you know, I championed Parasite on this podcast when we did the review of it, Minari, like the host. I mean, there are so many like Korean films that are just excellent films. And I mean, one thing that I can say about some of these filmmakers and directors from there is that they just seem to understand how to develop and create compelling characters and put them in some very compelling scenarios and even if you can't like relate to every character like i'm not like for instance you know in this in this you know it's not that i can so much relate to uh number 456 in the squid games but even if i can't relate to the character i understand they the story is written well enough to where i understand the character i understand um well who this character is or what they represent or who they are like or somebody i know that kind of matches that description or this type of person um I've seen this type of person in this type of scenario. And I don't know, in all of these movies that I watch, they just have such a way of creating compelling characters. And sometimes I feel like in American cinema, sometimes I, that's missing, you know, like, like we've got these great stories, but we just don't know how to really get the characters in situations where they're compelling and we care and then we can kind of follow the story. You know, Eternals is a perfect example of that. And of course, there are other American movies that do it right and we like them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to advocate that Korean movies are better or anything like that. But here lately, I just, that's some, that's a reoccurring theme that I'm seeing when I watch those movies. And I think that this is definitely a champion of that. The the best thing about this is that, I mean, there's so much under the surface of Squid Game, but even on a surface level, I think this is something that you can watch and enjoy because the characters are compelling. The scenarios that they put in are simple, like Heather mentioned the games, but what I loved is this simple premise of these people are going to play these childhood recognizable games. Um 
some of them, maybe not all of them are recognizable, but most of them are. We know what red light, green light is. We play games where you got to collect the opponent's marbles. You know, as if, if you grew up um, around certain kids and stuff like that, you know, playground games and stuff. These are things that you recognize. But the simple premise of we're going to have these people play these childhood games. But the consequence is, is that it's going to be games of life or death centered around these like childhood games. That's a simple premise, but what they do with that premise and the way that they develop the characters and how it all kind of speaks to this bigger message that the film is going for, uh, you know, it just worked to me. Like I discovered so many things uh, after watching it, after having conversations with people, going back and looking at specific scenes. The this is a masterclass of foreshadowing. I love the use of some of the shots and the colors and things like that. It all comes together to sort of relate this message. And I think that it does that very effectively. You know, there are a few problems with this. There may be a few things that are plot holes or things that kind of you didn't quite get all the answers to. And, um, you know, and things like that. And there are definitely some interpretations at the end that people made that uh, th- that will definitely dis- that I'll definitely discuss, and I'm sure you guys have opinions about how this ended as well. But ultimately, I do think that this was a lot of fun. It was edge of your seat. They made each one of these games intense in their own way. Uh, whenever it slows down and it gets more and it gets you to invest more in the characters. And hear their stories and things like that. It doesn't feel so abrupt that you're just like, "Uh, I don't care about any of this. I cared the whole time. I was compelled the whole time. It was an easy watch. And I honestly want to watch it again just to see what I miss because it is rich with very with a lot of themes and there was a lot of strategic storytelling clues that it gives you different things like that as it goes along so yeah i thoroughly enjoyed this and and i think that this is one of those things where you know sometimes things are hyped up and you watch it and then you find out eh, i think it's overhyped i think it's not what people said it is and everything like that well this is one of the few times where i feel that this did i think live up to the hype It's worthy of the accolades that it's getting. It's worthy of the praise that it gets. And it deserves to be popular. And to me, it's just another one of these great Korean films that really teaches you something beyond its simple premise uh, on the surface. Uh, For me, it's a little bit tough with some of this stuff because I watched... Squid Game, I went back and uh, looked at it. It was about uh, two and a half months ago, almost. Because this came out uh, September 17th. And so, uh, yeah, I watched it a long time ago. I think I got into it because of uh, a couple of people on TikTok were using some of the sounds from this. Some of the stuff they were doing. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it was like, oh, off Squid Game. And I was like, oh, okay, I heard of that. Let me watch it. Um, one of the things I kind of appreciated with this is for me, a lot of the themes that you specifically talked about, Justin, uh, with Parasite and why you appreciated them and liked them in that movie. 
I feel like this TV series, this series, tackles a lot of the same themes. Uh, differently, but it tackles a lot of the same type of themes. I think mm-hmm. this did it better. And I don't mean that in a way to, even though I didn't enjoy Parasite as much as you did, I just think it worked a little better in a TV series type of situation where you got more time to truly address and grapple with a lot of these themes, you know? And so when you're tackling something as big as the types of themes of economic and social disparity and all these other things, sometimes being a series just helps it come across a little better because you have more time. And and that's just the nature of the, the different types of medium of a movie versus a, a season. Uh, that's why some of these narratives work a little better like that. So I think those themes came across a lot better in this. And I, I, I do think that this was very well done. I do agree with you in general, Justin, that there's just something about Korea that in a lot of ways just kind of kicks American cinema's ass, if you will. They're ahead of the curve, kind of, yeah. Yeah, if you for go, sure, man. There's this one horror film that it gets overlooked all the time, but it's fucking great, The Host. It's a, isn't that done by the same guy that did fucking Parasite? Bong Juno? Yeah. Uh, it might be. I'm yeah, pretty sure it, it was. Be. Parasite's fucking fantastic, though. For anybody that hasn't seen it, it's a fucking fantastic movie. And like you said, though, Train to Busan. Fucking amazing-ass zombie movie. And it does so very late to the game. Like, zombies were very played out when, when that movie came out, or at least came to America. Zombies were very played out. I had stopped watching Walking Dead for like three or four years by the time that movie came out. And it's fucking great, though. They just have this ability to take even, like, ideas or whatever that are dead in America and just give them new life in an interesting way. You know, this this movie isn't completely, you know, unique or... Uh, innovative in the degree of I mean fuck it's kind of an overly simplified version of some of the saw shit I'm not talking about thematically Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about you know what would you do in these situations type of thing it's playing a lot of the same psyche games that saw plays but unlike spiral book of saw this movie hits it though Yeah, this movie or this show makes you wonder would I do this would I be in this game? Would I want to compete in this? Would I do this? Infinitely more than like some of those situations like in the Saw movies where you're like, if I'm in this situation, what would I do? Like the first couple of Saw movies make you feel that way. The last, like, I don't know, 95 Saw movies don't. I don't remember how many <laughs> there are. But like this, this show does. It really puts you in that in that feeling where it psychologically goes, what would you do in this situation? And it latches on to it very quickly. And every time you think you're, you as a viewer have a handle on how you would act in these games, something else happens. And it makes you have to ask yourself that question 
every single time it makes its characters ask themselves that question. And that's something a lot of shows and in, in, in movies can't do. They might be able to make you ask yourself that question once, but very rarely do they engross you so much from the character perspective that it makes you ask the same that makes you ask yourself at the same time the characters do. And fuck, that's almost every episode. It gives you something. Yeah. There's not a game every episode, but there's something every episode that it makes you ask yourself the fuck would i do in this and also it also i think does a good job of making uh you ask yourself if you're lying to yourself yeah like there's a few games yep. where like you're like oh i would never do that but are you you would wouldn't you like i would like yeah. to think i'd be above some of the things they do in the show i don't know if i would be if i'm really honest right. like i would like to hope i wouldn't actively murder other people for money i like to feel like i'm a better person than that (laughs) but in some of the situations they put here like they put the characters in it's not technically always about the money at that point it's about your own self-survival and then it comes down to would i kill somebody to survive and it's not like a hit or miss type of question it's not a, there's a chance I could die. More often than not in this, it's no, you will. Like if, you know, there's a very right. high likelihood of death. You know, it's, it's, and that's one of the things I appreciate about it is they get rid of that little, that caveat that most people would have where it's like, but you don't know if you die. No, you do. You do. So you yeah. can't even like, you know, try to weasel out of it. And I mean the I watched the dubbed version, which from what I hear actually changes things kind of drastically a little bit with some of the characters and their dialogue. But mm-hmm. having gone and watched some of the the subtitled stuff and watched some videos of some people actually just translating the Korean and stuff like that. At least personally, I feel like I was able to make it through it with the same outcome as I think that they were wanting with it. Like, there were some of the characters that they, the the dialogue in the dubbed version can kind of drastically change what those characters are in the show. And, but I think through watching it, I was at least able to differentiate some of the words that were being said with technically kind of how the character was acting and was kind of able to get to the same place. So, I mean, that's a very unfortunate thing nowadays that we have bad dubs and bad translations. Like the internet exists. Do you think you won't get caught now? Like (laughs) this isn't the fucking 1970s and Godzilla movies. Like this isn't the fucking power Rangers where they're just cutting shit out of a show. Like, you can do, like, better translations, even for dubbed versions. You can do them. Like, you know, and there's, like, some stuff where there's, like, some sayings and stuff like that where 
the way they said it in Korean makes a lot of sense to Korean people. But if you do like a direct translation, it would sound weird in English, specifically American English. But like you could just kind of rephrase it a little bit in the dub and make it work. But they kind of just got rid of it. Like some of the nuance and some of the stuff. And it's just kind of, you're kind of sitting there just like, why? Like it mm-hmm. is 2021. We can have good dubs at this point. Like, is that crazy yeah. to ask? Like, we can have good dubs. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think part of it is the fact that Netflix doesn't really care. They just kind of want to get the shit out. Because from what I've heard, Marvel, because a lot of countries, at least I know in Europe, I can't necessarily speak to Asia, but I know in Europe, a lot of countries there don't watch subtitled movies. They're very big on wanting things dubbed. And that's fine. Whatever, that's every country has their own preference with some of that stuff. But apparently, like, people like, apparently Disney was Marvel. Do, like, apparently they do amazingly good dubs. I can't speak to it. I've never watched one of their dubs because, you know, they typically make them in English. But apparently they do very good dubs for their movies. Like, even slight CGI altering of mouth motions to make it match type of dubs. Which is cool. Like, we, we have the technology. It exists. Let's just get the shit together by season two, Netflix. Come on. Um, but no, I really, I really did enjoy this show. It, it's one of these shows that is insanely violent, but at the same time, not, it's not overly gory. I don't think it's, it's not gratuitous. Yeah. It's appropriately violent for the type of violence it does, (laughs) I guess would be the best way to say it. You know, yeah. Um, it doesn't go all saw about it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even then, it, it it'd be okay if it was even more gratuitous. It, but because you're you can have some style behind that. Uh, the harder they fall, does that, or it has some style to the amount yeah. of 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 gore it has. But this movie also is, or the show is very good about the way it makes you cringe. You know, like there are just certain things that kind of make you make you feel it in your body when it comes to some of the violence, and it's very good with how it does it. It's very, very meticulous, and I appreciate that. Very specifically, and this isn't a spoiler. I don't really think it's just like the scene where people running on glass and shit. Yep, that just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> people jumping on shit all barefoot and fucking glass shattering. and oh, It's not even like that. It's not even like you're stepping on broken glass because of the way it happens. It just, like I said, gave me the heebie-jeebies nonetheless. Um, and then it's the way this, this, this ends, I think is, I don't necessarily know if I could say it was satisfying, but it was at least fascinating. I don't know if I was completely happy with the way it ended. I wasn't disappointed. I just don't know if I could say I was satisfied, but I'll, like I said, it was fascinating, though. 
fascinating. Which, if you're not going to be satisfying, at least fuck, be fascinating. At least I care still. At least I'm still intrigued. Something. I think I feel like that's an infinitely better emotion than disappointed or something like that. So, um, yeah, no, I really liked it though. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, definitely recommend that you watch it. And to just to speak on what you were kind of talking about with the dubbing and everything like that. I think that if I had a choice, because I watched some of it, um, well, most of it, I did watch the first time through. I watched it dubbed with subtitles. So that's kind of how I did it. And even I noticed that what the characters would say and what the dubbed actors were saying and then what is displayed on the screen is completely different. And sometimes a character would say so much more um, in the caption that I was reading, but then the dubbed person would just go, why? That's not something that I would do. But then in the caption below, there would be this whole other sentence that this person said, like, you know, I had five count i escaped five counts of fraud and i'm a crafty person but in the dub you just heard (laughs) i'm a capable person you know so if so if you are going to watch it dubbed i would strongly suggest watching it with the subtitles also because sometimes a character is going to say something And then at least you can look down below and see what else was missing from the, the, the translation that the subtitles give you. But, uh, but, but some people might be like, Oh, that's a lot of work and blah, 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 blah. You know, you don't have to, but I would recommend that if you just kind of want some of those missing pieces, but ultimately I I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and I bet you noticed it a lot. Like, well, dang, that was nothing yeah, like sure. what the dub voice said. Um, so it added a little something for me. But if you are a person who is used to just doing it the sub style, listening to the original language, and then just reading the subtitles, I mean, to me, that's probably the most optimal way. I just think that. People, and this is just for any actors in any country or anything like that, you know, the acting, when you hear the actual voice and the diction that somebody has in their natural language, in their natural tongue, I just think that the acting that they're doing and the voice that you hear in their natural tongue is probably going to be more optimal and resonant when you're talking about acting. You know what I'm saying? Like to hear the natural voice, to hear them speak in their natural tongue, and then also the mannerisms and how they're acting, speaking their nat- their their natural language to me is a little more authentic than hearing a dubbed English voice actor trying to match it. That's not them. And them trying to match the, the, 
the the acting of the individual and the voice of what that person is saying on top of just straight up just not even saying the same thing that the person is saying you know since i know that for a fact listen it with listening uh to it with the subtitles on so i think that the quote-unquote the pure most optimal way to enjoy this is just to watch it with the subs and and hear the actors and actresses natural voices and and that way it's better to visually match those mannerisms with those natural voices because they're acting in the in their most comfortable way you know and you're hearing it and seeing it and reacting to that to them in the most natural way you can so that's what i would recommend if you're capable of doing that but if not if you're not if you don't like to read or whatever the case dyslexic whatever the case may be you know people have i'm not gonna you know people have different situations for why they prefer dub but if you are going to do a dub, do it with the subtitle so you can kind of get some of those missing things that the dub doesn't uh, relate to you. Uh, no, but but uh, but but enough about that. It, this is great. I thought that it was great. Um, I think that it's it, it invokes a lot of great conversation afterwards. Hearing people's theories on what they thought of the end, what they thought of certain characters, how they interpreted certain characters is a lot of fun. And then going back and just seeing like even just uh, and I haven't seen all of the episodes a second time. I just kind of watched some of my favorite ones like episode six. The episode with the marbles is one of my personal favorites. Uh, yeah. Going back and watching some of them and seeing all of the ways that they foreshadowed things, all the ways that 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 there were these clues that they left. And like I said, what it says about the bigger picture, I just think it's worth your time to invest. Even if you just watch it on the surface level and you don't get any of that, you're going to get something fun. It's great. It's greatly paced. It has good characters. And there are so many moments of tensions of tension, whether they're playing games or not. But if you're kind of one of those movie watchers where you're looking for something more, you want something more beneath the surface. This has that too. This has something to say beyond it just being in a, in a few memes or just being something entertaining. There really is something to say here about just our soci our socioeconomic system as we have it. And, 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 and just, um, you know, about how, uh, in a way, all of us are sort of players in this thing. So I just think that it's worth checking out for all of those reasons, regardless of what kind of movie watcher you are. I think there's something to take away from this. Uh, with that being said, we're going to go with the score of uh, 93. Yeah, episode six was the absolute shit out of 100. Uh, Heather, what about you? Did I already do you? Yeah, I... No. I'm losing my mind, I'm sorry. <laughs> Heather, yes, go, please. No, no, you're good. Um, no, I I would recommend it. There, There's a couple of, of caveats with that. I know, I know personally a lot of people who cannot take, um, just the absolute violence and <laughs> everything that goes along with the show. If that is something that you're sensitive to or that you can't handle a lot of probably steer away from this one just because there is a lot of that and the nature of the show is very violent. Um, but 
that being said, yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, especially a once through watch, like I I feel like it's so good with its twist and everything like that. And and to be fair, I haven't gone back to watch any of it a second time. But I just feel like it's one of those shows where the magic of watching it all for the first time is only for the first time. You know, like I feel like if you tried to rewatch it again, and and maybe I am wrong because Jasmine, I mean, you said you watched a few of them again. I feel like it's one of those where it's untouchable when you watch it for the first time. And for me personally, I'm like, I feel like if I go back and I like rewatch the whole thing, it's going to lose the magic of how unique and different and intense it was because, you know, just the nature of the story and the twists and everything that goes on with it. Granted, there's probably some things that you'll pick up that you might have not noticed before. Like, you know, you were saying, Jess, and that, you know, there's, there's some foreshadowing and things like that where it's like, maybe you didn't catch that the first time around. But for me, I just feel like as much as I did enjoy this, I don't know if I would necessarily be like, I need to watch this a bunch of times, you know, because I feel like watching it all through for one time is like, it's sitting in its magic that it is. (laughs) And that's just a preference for me. But I do definitely think that you should watch it and give it, give it a go, give it a whole once through um, thing, even if, you know, some people do want to watch it more than once. And that's great, too. I just know for me, I'm like, it's, you know, it's magic when you watch it for the first time. Um, But yeah, again, there's definitely some issues with it. And I did definitely notice the whole, you know, dubbed versus what the subtitles said and how very different it was. And absolutely what was being uh, displayed on the screen for the the subtitles was a lot better um, (laughs) script of what was being said. So I definitely agree with that too. But um, going past that, yeah, I do, I do think it, it's a show that definitely makes you think it makes you think it makes you contemplate it kind of, it's a, it's a very dark show, but it's just so well written in in some of what like just the like you said like it it makes you think of things that you wouldn't necessarily and also it brings up so much good conversation that you can just go on and on about different things with with what you uh, have in this show so yeah i definitely think it's um i get the hype of it there's some shows where i'm like i don't understand why it's so hyped up I totally get the hype of it. I do think it's a good show. Um, and me not wanting to watch it through a second time is not because it's not good. It's just, you know, like, I don't want to lose the magic for me of how much I loved the twists and the turns and not knowing what was going to happen or who was going to win what games and whatever. And I love that. And so I'm good with just the once watch. Um, but that's just me. But yeah, it, it is very good. Um, again, character development is great. I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it 80 umbrella shaped, um, what was it? Mango? Was it mango? No, it's kind of like a a honey wafer. Honey. Okay. Yeah. Um, umbrella shaped things (laughs) out of a hundred. 
Oh uh, yeah, I recommend it. Oddly enough, Justin, I did watch it the same way. Um, I don't think about it though, because I'm I'm slowly losing my hearing. If anybody doesn't know, and like so, I have everything on subtitles, <laughs> so everything oh. just by default has visual subtitles on it. Like everything of mine, I have it set that way. So like when it's dubbed, I have the subtitles on it automatically. So I don't even think about that. And so like it, it does become a little weird for me at some points because I know like you were saying, Justin, that you know you hear one thing but you'd read another and it's very confusing. I'm actually just kind of so used to that because closed captionings are garbage on most things. <laughs> yeah. So and that's what, like I said, I have it on default. Like uh what movie was it that I saw? I want to say it was Ghostbusters. When I went and saw Ghostbusters, I actually saw the closed captioning version of it. We're in the theater. It had the closed captioning up on the screen. It was really cool. Um, but, yeah, so I'm just so used to that. I might not notice that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just so used to that. Or the, or the, or the captions, like, if you're watching, like, live sports, the captions are, like, 15 or 20 seconds late. You know, yeah, so, and also yeah. gibberish. So I'm I'm very much just used to not hearing and reading at the same time, or and not lining up. That I might not notice that all the time. You know, uh, especially with things that are subtitled. I'm. I guess that's why I've never had a problem with subtitles before, because it's just kind of something that's very easy for me to do. So I, I think as I've, like I said, I've slowly started having them on everything I watch. Yeah. I don't know if like when my mind is comprehending what's being said, I don't know if I'm basing it off the verbal or what I'm reading now that I think about it. You know what I mean? I've just, I know I'm getting the dialogue in my head one way or another, but I just don't know which one I'm actually processing. If that makes any sense. Now I'm curious. Hmm. So, I don't know. I just, I'll, I have to really kind of pay attention more to see what I remember. Like, what I read or what I hear. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um, back to this, though. Uh, I did really enjoy it. Like I said, I think a lot of the things that you enjoyed about Parasite, especially thematically, Justin, I latched on to those same themes in this way more than I did in Parasite. So... Especially thematically, I guess I enjoyed this very much because I don't have anything against the themes and stuff you were talking about with Parasite. They just didn't resonate with me like they did with you. So, in a way, with this having some of the same thematic elements and them actually resonating with me with this, you know, it's kind of, I guess, you know, like kind of lifts it up just even more, I suppose, with some of that stuff. And like I said, it's ability to psychologically kind of fuck with your head on almost an episodic basis without being cheap about it. I think that's the other good thing about it is it's not cheap with how it does it. It it gives you legitimate what would you do type of thoughts. And so with all that, I I I did I thought it was fascinating to watch. Uh, it was incredibly interesting. I can't wait for a season two, which they are apparently working on. So I hope, I just hope they don't rush it. Cause apparently this was kind of like a passion project type of thing where 
they've been trying for like, I want to say 10 years to get this made. And they finally got someone to sign off on it. So I just hope with the season two, I hope they're not rushing it just to get something out there. I hope. I'm not saying take 10 years, but I'm just saying like, I hope that they have as much care with the season two as they obviously did with their season one. Uh, with all that, uh, I'll give this 88 creepy gigantic robot girls that play red light, green light out of 100. Uh, spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. All right, so how caught off were you guys with that red light, green light, green light shit when you first mm-hmm. watched it? When you're yep. just like going off and it's like red light, green light, and then motherfuckers just start getting mauled the fuck down in a hellfire storm of bullets. Mm-hmm. Man, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's what this is? It, it, it was tight, man. It was nerve-wracking. Like, it was insane, yeah. It was pretty crazy. Like, if you weren't watching before that point at what was going on, you definitely perked up and were like, what? (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was kind of that situation. I was kind of just like, Lucy, (laughs) like, what the fuck is all this? Not really, not really getting it. And then all of a sudden, shots. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? I literally stopped it. And just like started the episode all over again. I'm like, nope, I'm paying the fuck attention now. Let's go. Because I was just like, whoa, whoa. I completely misjudged what the fuck this is going to be. Starting over, we're watching very intently now. And yeah, it's just, I I think the thing that was crazy about it is what, 200 and something people die in that scene? I think it's slightly over half half of them. I think it's 56% of them die. In that scene. And I'm just like, fuck. This is insanity. Like, what? what is this? And then they get into the... like, and Every time they just go into another game, I'm like, who the fuck thinks of this? Like, that honeycomb shit. I'm like, who, what the fuck is this umbrella shape? What is this garbage? Like, what? what is this umbrella shape? And then they did the tug of war. <laughs> like, the tug of war is the only one that I was like, Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense as a death game. Like, there's been instances of tug of war death type of situations in movies and TV shows in the past. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a death game, I suppose. And then they made Marvels, just various marble games, death games. I'm like, what the fuck is going right? on? Everything is a death game. And then they did, they brought up that one that's the fucking glass bridge shit. And I was like, fuck you. This is no longer a game. This is just a murder people thing. <laughs> like, that's all it was. I was like, this is just a murder people. That glass game was so intense. Like, Ugh. I was so stressed out during that episode. <laughs> there's actually a very simple way around it. I don't know if they'd allow it. But there's a couple of ways you could cheat the game without technically cheating the game. We, we can get yeah. into that. We can get into it now, I suppose. I mean, it's spoilers. Who gives a fuck? Um, you know how everybody takes off their shoes when they get on the glass and stuff? Mm-hmm. What if you just 
took a bunch of the shoes and put them in a jacket and started hitting things. You could hit, you could legitimately with force hit mm. with that. Like if you just tied it up and like used the sleeve as like a extender, you could use it to hit the glass. It'd be enough force to break it. That is true. It's not cheating. Yeah. Now they might just, I don't know, turn off the lights or something to fuck with you and you'd not be able to see where the glass is anyway. So, I mean, there are ways around it. Also, one thing I didn't think about, or like that I didn't know, why didn't anybody just step on the metal? <laughs> hmm. I mean, I guess if you stood on the metal and if it was the wrong kind of glass, if they had the mechanism to break that specific glass, if they did that, it could break and just be in your foot. Maybe. Mm hmm. But if you're just sitting there, you could theoretically just run along that and never step on the glass at all. Because you could go between the two sides mm-hmm. with the middle rails and never step on any glass. But like I said, I don't know if that counts or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they just shoot you for breaking the rules or not. But like... I mean, the rule was what? Finish the game. You can't not finish it if you start it. Um, what was the other one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, majority, if the majority want to quit, you know, the game ends. And then what was the other one? I don't oh, remember. Yeah, but I don't it's know. technically not the rule, you know? Is yeah, like that, if that you refuse to play, you're eliminated. I think that was yeah. the last. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's the so thing. I, technically, it wouldn't be breaking the rule. Yeah. Yeah, but they, but the, that's the thing is, is, if it's the rule for that game, though, you have to step on the glass panels or whatever. I'm just saying there are some workarounds with it that would feasibly work mm. i just don't yeah. know if they would go no you're cheating i mean there's lots of things they did in this that they didn't say were cheating so i think it's fine or do like monkey bar style you know like <laughs> just like hang off the side and like you know yeah you could cross it that way but that'd be very very hard to do <laughs> Well, yeah, not, if the, not if you're at the athletic. end, but not if you're also at the end and all the broken glass is like already broken. Oh, I, I'm just talking about the sheer amount of grip strength you'd have to go like have to cover that distance that way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Fair. No, I get what you're saying. It would be feasible. Like, you know, there are some people out there that probably could do that. I'm just saying my ass can do that, but my ass could walk on the middle rails. I don't have that kind of grip, grip strength. I could probably make it three panels before I just fall to my death anyway. But I could walk on the middle rails at a reasonable pace. I'm just saying I would probably try literally any any scenario I could. <laughs> Even if I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm definitely going to try it. <laughs> you know? I mean, my one problem with this show, though, with some of these things, like or with that specific game specifically... The way the glass explodes at the end, I have a huge problem with that. Because it's completely unnecessary to shatter Mm -hmm. it like that. Like, that would be solely done to cause harm to your potential survivors. Which I think, which to me, like, kind of like, goes in the face of everything that they had been kind of preaching the whole game. You know? Yep. About like fairness and if you survive, you're fine. Like this, if you survive this, you're still going to get injured. 
Because it's almost like they guarantee glass will fly at you. And I don't get that. There's also... That's true. With that whole scene with all that stuff, too. With a lot of the scenes in this, they don't really match up with some of the things that they say in regards to fairness. Like, the games have to be fair. Then why don't people get medical attention? Like, the three surviving people going into the final games and stuff, why don't they get medical attention then? If it really is all about being fair. And the purity of the games. Yeah. Why aren't you giving people medical attention in those scenarios? Like, why is it that, like, honestly, with that same mentality, though, you also should not have had that brawl that they allowed to happen in the middle of the night. You know, that's kind of like the secret sub game in all this, too. But, like, that makes no sense with how, like, dedicated they were to fairness. In terms of like killing people, you know, like when they killed that doctor and everything, they were like, it's all about fairness. But then the actions they did with a lot of the stuff has nothing to do with fairness. So I'm like, that's kind of like a weak argument for the way they try to, like, they verbally try to portray it versus how they actually portray it. But then at the same time, at the same time, I think thematically that very much works because if you're looking at it as a scenario of like haves and have nots and all this other stuff, the haves preach fairness all the time and that it's fair and all this other stuff. They'll say it all the time, but they don't want to do any of the actions to it. So while I do have issues with how they portray some of the things, the scenes with it, thematically it really kind of works. So, you're just like, well, fuck, man. Like, I'm just saying, like, as I'm watching it, that was one of the things I thought, but then when you look back on it, and you see how it resonates thematically, it changes how you look at it. But while I'm watching it, I was like, well, this is some bullshit. Don't say fairness and then do this shit. But then, like, afterwards, I guess that, that it that's exactly kind of what it wants you to think. Mm-hmm. So, you're like, well, fuck. And think about just how many things and just to kind of make that clear for anybody who doesn't get that, like think about how many things just in our system are predicated on things like that. We're, we're preached that things are fair all the time. You know, the, the whole thing about fairness and following the rules. And if you follow these rules and if you do these things, this will be your reward. And it's all kind of, and, and, and things like that are always advertised as fair. But we know that, and we have seen it many times in just the world we live in, those things aren't always fair. The, the people who do the most work don't always get the raises or get what they deserve at their job. A lot of times they're like, oh, the way the economy is set up or America set up, you know, oh, it's opportunity. And if you just work hard, you will prosper and you will reap the rewards. But we know that that's not true. We know that there are, it's, it's unfair. There are always people that have advantages. Um, there are even examples in this where there were characters that knew what the game was going to be before the game was played. 
you know it was never fair like there were there were time you know there are certain games where it's predicated on certain people having strength or having this or having that um you know people are finding loopholes around games and stuff like that whoever was really being fair you know what i mean like it was so i i think it was very effective in showing that and if we just think about our own lives how many things are predicated on that those simple premises i mean it doesn't matter where you look whether you're talking about school whether you're talking about the laws or the notion of you know justice and our laws being fair um even if you go to religious stuff you know if you do a b c and d then you will reap these rewards there are so many things that are set up kind of like a game in our lives and it's all predicated on if you do these things you will reap this reward but we know that is not the case and i think that's why this was that way too you know because it's all just an allegory for that in its own way well then when it comes to a lot of this stuff too if you want to take into something like our system of law in america let's get we could even take away the systematic biases that our country has in our criminal justice system when it comes to race and put it in terms of what this show is people with money and people without money people with money how many times do they commit crimes and just get a fine or probation Mm -hmm. or something like that because they can afford a good lawyer or they can afford this or whatever, or they're just seen as more valuable to society. Like how many times do you see rich people, especially like affluent young people get off on crimes because they're like, well, we don't want this one small, like this one mistake as a kid to ruin their whole life. But if you take in something that's a poor person and committing a lesser crime and going to jail for it, you know, essentially in a lot of instances ruining their life because in a lot of ways it's viewed, well, they're poor. So their life's already ruined. You know, they can't benefit society anyway. We, we have instances like that all the time. I mean, there was the kid in, in Texas that was like, I think drunken on a bunch of drugs and he killed like a bunch of people driving. And he was acquitted due to affluence because of how rich he was and how he grew up, the essentially like legal mental defense they used for him is that he didn't, because he grew up rich, he didn't understand what he was doing was wrong because essentially he had been coddled his whole life. People were dead and this kid got off because of that. And mm-hmm. you look at situations like that and it just kind of screams to the examples of what we're talking about. If when you're rich, the rules don't always apply to you. Like very recent example. Um, a lot of the short selling and whatnot that was going on with stocks earlier this year with GameStop and AMC theater specifically, where a bunch of people got together on Reddit and these like other forums and stuff like that and manipulated the stock markets by just buying a bunch of stock that was considered worthless. And it artificially inflated the value of that stock, causing a lot of people who were rich 
to lose money because they sold it whenever it was low and all this other stuff. So what happens? The SEC steps in and they they start putting holds on this stuff. They stop allowing people to to buy those shares and all this other stuff, even though there's no real basis for it. It's essentially, it was, you know, not rich people going, well, fuck it, we can game the system too. They did the things that rich hedge funds do all the time. And just because they weren't rich people, all of a sudden, it was a problem. And so, yeah, this kind of makes a lot of the stuff in this in this series like a lot more poignant with a lot of that stuff. Because, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, the character of one was uh, one of the guys that started the Squid Games. And was not really at risk at all during any of his stuff. And was found to exactly. be alive at the end of it. And then if you go through and you watch a lot of the stuff with it, it makes a lot of sense when he played the games, why they were the way they were. Um, like in the uh, uh, red light, green light game, whenever the little eye scanner is running around scanning people, it doesn't scan him. So theoretically, he could have moved and it wouldn't have scanned him. It, didn't, it doesn't highlight him in green like it does the other characters. Uh, so that means that it was knowingly not tracking him. So also, that means he's got little fear, because he knows it. He's got little fear when he's running through everything. Um, now, there is the, the whole honeycomb thing, and while he didn't get the easiest shape, he also still didn't get a hard shape, a star. While it has a lot more lines than a triangle or a circle or something like that, they're very short lines. So it's a lot easier to kind of get through that and break off small pieces as you go type of situation. It still wasn't an umbrella. You know, uh, then when you get into like tug of war, everybody else is chained to the rope. He's not, he's not actually locked onto the rope like everybody else. So theoretically, if everybody else got pulled off, it wouldn't have pulled him. So he would have, he would have survived that still. You go into the marble game. I do, I do have a, I have a question about that though. Cause also like this would have to mean that everybody there is in on that and knows that, uh, that he's the creator and that he's not going to die. Right. Yeah. Like all of the people in the uniforms and stuff. So it's assuming Mm -hmm. that, okay. So it's saying that they would all know this. Yep. So, okay. All right. Cause I was like, that's otherwise I was like, that's a very big assumption that they make in a lot of cases, but yeah, I guess, I guess it is just assumed that like, they're all kind of in on that. I guess they would have had to have been because the one guy supposedly shot him and didn't really. So I guess, yeah, they were all in on it. Well, I mean, even getting to that, because that actually means a lot more than I, some people might realize. So then it goes to the Marvel games and it goes all this thing and he gives what's his name or 456, uh, 456 all his marbles and he quote unquote gets shot in the room. There's a very specific reason why he had to bow out in that game. Because the next game is the glass bridge. You can't rig that. You know, Mm. theoretically, it would hinge on him being able to remember every single one of those. And there's 18 rows. And so if he just forgets, he falls to his death. So that's why he bows out in the game before. 
because there's no way for them to rig the next game so that mm-hmm. he could survive it. So it was even very specific yeah. in how he bows out. And if he had left earlier, and if um, our main character, if number 456 didn't pick him for that marble game, he could have bowed out earlier because he was because he was just going to sit there and be the odd man out. And he either way, he would have had a way out of that bridge game. Yeah. But 456 happened to pick him. But it but but he probably anticipated not being picked. You know, and then it was our annoying woman that wasn't picked. But what did she get to do? She just got to move on and wait Mm -hmm. for the next round. That was supposed to be him, probably. And, you know, and then he's just done six picked him. Yeah. 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 Because with him, if he wasn't picked, develop somewhat of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Because if he wasn't the one picked, then it would have just been when everybody got back, he was gone. No harm, no foul. Like everybody would have assumed he died, which is exactly yep. what happens in the Marvel game. They just assume he died. Mm-hmm. So it would have played out the same way. You're exactly right on Jas- that, Justin. I didn't even think about that part of it. That he, you know, yeah. I just know that he he meant to bow out no matter what in the Marvel game. Yeah, and I love what you said there. How it all ties together to just this fact that. Yes, the rich people play the game too, right? Like they're part of the system too. They buy things, they're part of the economy and everything like that. But I love how this showed that when they play though, there just aren't as many stakes. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're just not in as much danger. It's not as pivotal for them. There's not as much to lose. And in some cases, they're not losing anything. And I think that was such a great way to show that within the plot twist of this as well. Just how, yeah, they're playing the game too, but it's nowhere near as dire, man. Like, you know, yeah. If a rich they, person they may gets be a cancer, part of it, but they got they got safety nets out the ass. Yeah, if a rich person <laughs> gets cancer, they get fucking treatment because they can afford it. You know, right. Like, that's just how it is. Other people go bankrupt and might, like, fucking bankrupt their kids due to medical debt, you know, for getting a disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it's like you said, it's all the same game. You know, just buying houses. Like, that's part of the game is, you know, rich people, young, like, everybody buys houses or, you know, property, whatever. Like, they all do that. Rich people aren't worried about foreclosing on their houses. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like... You know, rich people aren't necessarily worried about, you know, making sure they're putting enough money aside to make sure if their car breaks down, they can get it fixed. You know, they all drive cars. Right. But like you said, Justin, they're all playing. We're all playing the same game. It's just other people aren't necessarily playing by. And I don't want to say the same rules, but like, I guess the way you said it's the best way. They're not playing with the same stakes. Yeah, you know, think about the uh, how the contrast of the red light, green light with him had gleefully skipping through that <laughs> that field 
and knowing that he's not going to be killed while 200 people are being killed around him and him smiling gleefully skipping through this knowing that he was never in any real danger you know which is it's kind of genius though too because to the audience watching they're just like man he's super confident that he's going to be fine like that's all it looks like to you at first it's just like man he's really just very sure of himself and then you realize why you know so it's really clever how they wrote that yeah well that is, and he's old yeah. and he doesn't give a fuck like i mean it should have been the biggest <laughs> giveaway <too>. at all <laughs> like that people are like getting shot around him and he's even unfazed about that people are getting shot and he's just like eh. no biggie and my only thing yeah. is with that like my other question is with the the brawl during the night and it's how how could he have known necessarily that that would happen and that he would have been safe during it that's my thing too though you know well there's a few things with that hey he knew the brawl was okay. going to happen because he knew that they because they set it up with you know the whole not they specifically gave little food during that scenario knowing that other people were going to try to cheat the system and get more food and then in That's doing so, yeah. they were like, we only made this specific amount for everybody here. Therefore, there's no food left. So when people were like writing out, and so, like, you know, they just knew that there's probably going to be a fight. Maybe not somebody die right then, but a fight. And they knew if they don't react to the fight, people would realize we can fight. So the okay. whole system okay. is with that, it's just he's got to go and hide. Now, with all that, the brawl also stops when he asks for the brawl to stop because mm-hmm. he's the rich person. So when he's tired of the brawl or to, if he gets to the point to where he's afraid for his life, he can stop the brawl just by asking them to stop it. So that's kind of the safety net with that scenario is the fact that that brawl stops when he wants it to. So, like, with all that stuff, and, like, there's another, like, really interesting clue in there, too. When the cop is going through the binders, and he's looking at the binder for this year, it skips page one. It starts on contestant two. Like, when he opens it, it starts at zero, zero, two. Also showing that the old guy wasn't really a part of the game. Because he doesn't have a file. I didn't catch that one. Yeah. It's another little one. That's tight. Yeah. It's just another That's little tight. thing. Is there's no need to have a file for him. Because he's outside the system. So, yep. And the whole fact that, like, they were talking about how he's like, you know, whenever they were doing the Marvel stuff, he's like, oh, this is my old neighborhood and all this other stuff. And he's running around doing all that shit. It's more or less another thing showing that, like, how would they know? But his neighborhood looked like, why would they make it all about his neighborhood? Because it's his games. You know, little things like that that they do to mm. very much hint towards him. Um, but yeah, yeah. They, you know, and so then at the end of the, the towards the end of the series, you find out that he's still alive, and but he wasn't lying about the brain tumor thing, and you know, he's talking about how they just did it because they were rich and bored and wanted to see what 
essentially people would do for quote unquote life changing money. And he was so dedicated to that principle that he's still doing it on his deathbed with that guy out on the street. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it also kind of shows, you know, the weird separation between people like him and, 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 like poorer people and stuff like that, because he looks at poor people as look, look at all the violence they'll do just to make money when that's not really the true aspect of it all. Like in a normal situation, like out in the normal world, you might not lose the aspect of, you know, wanting to keep people alive just for money. Like, that amount of like respect for your other human beings wouldn't be the same as it is in the squid game because once you're in it, like even if you just watch the red light, green light part and that happens and then you agree to come back to the game that you don't have that mindset of, I'm going to have to be responsible for other people dying. Cause like, while there were people that got other people killed in red light, green light, you don't necessarily know that that's what you're going to have to do. You don't know that you're going to be directly responsible for other people dying after just the red light, green light part. You know, so if you come back to the game, you might just be thinking, I might have to just not die through these games. To win money. Not that you're going to have to help kill people. You know. That's something that they change on you. Through the course of the games. That you have to be more responsible for people dying. But then also. They very much put you in those situations of. If you're willing to die. Or like. If you're going to play. And you don't try to take some. Or you know, you don't actively participate, you're going to die anyway. You know? So they very much change them, like change things on them. Uh, I was watching this one thing, and the odds of the glass game, I, I think it's like one, like if for you to just go through the glass game and not step on one of those like shattery tiles, it was like a one in... 256,000 something chance of you not happening of that not happening which means it's kind of worse lo- mm-hmm. like it's kind of like lottery like lottery like odds you know so it's like that would have actually been the best point for everybody to sit there and go you know what let's have a vote and not play this game anymore right that would yeah, have been the best spot true. because you're literally risking your life on something like the lottery at that point. And that's what, like the most drastic case of where the odds are not in your favor, you know? So I think that that's very interesting that they could have just sat there and done another vote right then or called for another vote right then, which according to the people, they have the right to do that. And they could have done something. They could have changed it, but I don't know if it would have worked in their favor. I'm just saying that that's the game with the lowest odds of winning. So, because everything else, like, 
you know, you had a one in th- or one in four chance of getting the umbrella in the honeycomb game. You know, it's a 50-50 odds in the tug of war. It's 50-50 odds in the Marvel stuff. It's like, that's the worst odds. And all of the scenario was that. And that would have been the perfect point to do a vote. But also when you're that deep in, it's like, what's it matter at this point? Like, you're already that far in. You know, it's, it's one of those situations where theoretically nobody could win the money at that point. So that's where I think theoretically it would have made more sense to just sit there and do the vote then. Because like the odds in your favor are that everybody would cross two planes minimum. So theoretically, like I'm not saying that they minimally would, it's just it would average out to that. You know, for everybody that goes four, some people are just going to go one. You know, but the odds are that you would roughly get 50% the whole way through, and it would still leave you to where very few people would be able to realistically get across. So, it's 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 one of those situations. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, though, with it, it's like, that's just where that old man and people like him think, is just that, you know, people are, who are poor don't care about human life or whatever, so like they're also not worth saving with some of that stuff. So anyway, uh Heather, you go. Yeah. Um I mean and it's interesting too kind of bouncing off some of these thoughts too because the you know not not realizing some of the the things that you don't catch watching it the first time. So maybe you should watch it more than once, <laughs> but you know, especially about the old man, because that was one of my biggest issues was I was like, wait, they said that it's fair. And they, they said all these things, but then they just put him in this game. And how is that fair? Because clearly the whole thing is there, he's not going to die, you know? And so it's not fully fair. That was my biggest thing with it. And also the idea that they're really relying on the convenience of believing that other people are going to do what they're expecting them to do just for this to work out. So that was, that was some of my bigger, like, I guess, kind of hangups about it, but kind of talking through some of it, it does make a little bit more sense. Um, I do want to also specifically talk about in the marble game, um, the the girl the one who's um basically in the top three i really liked that episode um story arc that she had because it really just kind of it gave you a different side of that character that you don't really see in the rest of the show and i actually really i liked the idea of her and that other girl that she was paired up with Kind of just being like, you know what? One of us is going to die anyway, regardless. Why don't we try to have a conversation and talk about our fears and talk about our lives before we die? And I'm not necessarily saying that that was the route because the more games you play, I guess the better chance maybe you have of actually surviving. But I honestly can't say that I wouldn't have 
been resigned to doing that too, where you're just like, I'm about to die. And like, my last moments are going to be like a competition with somebody that I don't want to kill if I win or me dying because someone else was in competition with me. Like, I really just liked their whole like thought process of that of like, I don't want this. It, it almost seemed like they were like, I don't want this game to control me and take away my humanity. And so they were like, you know, what? let's just talk. <laughs> let's just get to know each other because this is the last time one of us is going to be able to have a conversation with somebody. And I really enjoyed that mindset and that aspect of what they did in that episode for them. Um, I thought it was really well done and um, it just, it, it made me really like that character a lot. The girl, uh, it just really made me like her character um, that much more because, you know, you just see a different side of her and get to know more about her. Um, and it is interesting too, that like in a lot of the games when they're like trying to find teams and all these things, a lot of the men were just very much like, you know, we don't want women because women are weak and they're going to be just kind of our downfall and all of these things. And I love the fact that she beat most of them. <laughs> like, I just loved that idea of it. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I think um, it, it just, yeah, the, the glass game for sure was really so nerve wracking for me. And the, and I do, I find it interesting that the one lady who was kind of crazy, the one who got to sit out the marble game <laughs> because she didn't have a partner, um, the like kind of, I was thrown off at the fact that she decided to basically just give up and kill herself, but also for the sake of killing this one guy who was going to destroy everybody else because he was the worst, you know? So I just... It just, again, all of these little things that happen within the episodes really make you think about, what would I do in that situation? <laughs> would I sacrifice myself and take down this guy who's trying to kill a ton more people and doesn't deserve to win? Or, you know, like, just little things like that, that you're just like, I would never even think I'd be in a situation like that to know what to do. And there's just so many of those in this, especially during the Marvel game episode, the one that Justin, I think you said you really liked, man, there was so much that to unfold from that whole thing. Like, because kind of like what you were saying too, Sterling with where you're like, I, I would love to say that I wouldn't be that person, but I don't know that I wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, like the whole thing with, um, the, the old man and, player four, five, six, you know, doing the, the marble game. And then that's your life. <laughs> that's your survival mode. And, um, the old man, you know, pretending like he, you know, had dementia and that he didn't remember what he was choosing. And, you know, the other guy basically cheating by saying like, no, no, you picked this and not this. And just seeing that sadness overcoming him of like, what am I doing? Like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I also don't want to die. <laughs> and that is that survival mode that I feel like so many people would go into in those situations. And that's throughout the whole show. But just especially in that episode, it comes to that real moment of, like, self-crisis almost. Of, like, who am I? <laughs> who am I really? And this is going to be the episode in the game that shows you who you are for sure. Like, um, 
four, five, six's friend from high school, the really smart one who was very logical and strategic and all these things, you know, man, his true colors like definitely came out because Ali, who was his partner, Ali was probably one of my favorites because he was just genuinely like this nice guy and like wanted everybody to win and survive and, you know, just like basically saved four, five, six's life. And, you know, like just, I, I loved his character and, you know, he just screwed him over because he was so nice and gullible and whatever, man, it just, that game showed everybody's like real true selves and it was intense, but it was so good because yeah, it's that self-reflection you think about of, man, like, and I get what you mean too, Sterling, about how it's very, it's got this very saw-like aspect to it of some things, but it does do it better because it's not forced like we're doing it for the sake of showing you how violent and gross we can be with these killings. But, you know, the first one or the first few, like you said, they have that same thing of like, you know, he had these rules and he had these specific morals that he wanted you to live by. And if you didn't, he was going to cause you to choose your own death, basically. And that's what this show does. But it does it in a, I think it does it in a better way where you feel like it's more (laughs) in a way realistic, which I don't really know if it is, but just how they do the characters and tell the story. You feel like they, it's more drawn out. It's more stakes. It's more everything. And, you know, it just, it it was really, it got really deep in places where you're like, oh, like, <laughs> I didn't know it was going to get this deep and like make you question things and cringe and be like, oh, like when um, 456 was basically cheating during the marble game, like half of me was like, no, don't do it. Because at the time, you don't, I don't know that this old man is technically not going to die anyway. But, you know, I'm just like, oh, why would you do it? But then I'm like, oh, he wants to live and he has a daughter and he has a lot more life in him than the old man. Like, would I have done that if I were him? Like, you know, you're just, it just makes you ask these questions you don't want to ask, but that's the point of the show. And I think that that's kind of genius to do it like that. So, um, yeah, I think that... Yeah, I, I, now that we've kind of talked through some of my bigger issues with it, yeah, I, I think I actually have a little bit slighter more of appreciation of of the show now that those things have been a little bit, you know, talked about. Also, I almost completely forgot about the the guy who was like a, basically a doctor that was helping everybody <laughs> and how he was just like, you know, getting all the inside information of what the next game was going to be. Remember that guy? Man, that was crazy. That was an interesting side story that I did. You know, I I, th- I think that they maybe could have done it in a little bit of a different way, but um, <laughs> it, it, may, it made for an interesting element. But I don't know. I feel like some of these side plots were, like, the thing about the... What's the guy? The basically the the head guy that's kind of in charge that always wears the mask and everything, and he's the always dressed man. in black. The front man. That's it. Yeah. He. Um. I mean, if they would have maybe fleshed out that storyline about him and his brother, who was the undercover detective looking for him, 
if they maybe would have fleshed it out a little bit more, it would have been better because that actually was the base of that was an interesting story. But I feel like it's just so kind of it's so in the background in a lot of ways until maybe more towards the end that I just kind of wish that would have maybe been flushed out a little bit more. And when you find out that the the front man is actually like one of the former winners of the game, it just it doesn't really answer some of the questions like, well, why is he doing this? Why did he go from winning this to being now the front man and running the whole thing? And why was he so okay with just killing his brother? Cause his brother found him like just questions that I was like, I need answers to this. Like, what is this? You know, because it would have been really a great, like even a full episode maybe, or one more episode of just about that situation or their background or how they came to be where they're at. You know, that I think that would have been helpful because it was apparently like a really big plot point, but it wasn't fleshed out enough for me to be as invested in it as I really would have liked to have been because the, again, the idea of it was interesting. Um, and then when he goes undercover, it was interesting to the, the other people in like the suits and everything that they don't know he's there, but he catches one of them and he's trying to find his brother And I remember there was one, there was the one episode where he confronts him and he's like, you know, is this the person basically that you killed? Like thinking it was going to be his brother. And, uh, you know, they were like, no, no, it wasn't, you know, it was, um, didn't they say it was a woman or something that they killed because they said they were having sex with her before they like killed her fully or something. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Like, you people are actually, like, even worse than what you're doing in this game. Because they're just fully admitting, like, no, 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 like, don't worry. We would never have, like, basically saying, like, we would never have had sex with a man before we killed him. But a woman, we definitely did. So, that's why, for sure, it was a woman. Like, you know, they're just, like, all these random, like, terrible characteristics of these people and, like, it was kind of like an afterthought when they talked about it. They're like, yeah, no, it was a woman. You know, we, we all took turns with her or whatever before, before we killed her. It's like, that's so like nonchalant of them, but you're like, oh, you're actually like awful, scummy, scummy people, even more than we thought, you know? So there's just, you're right, Jason. there's a lot to unpack in this show <laughs> about the, the villains and then the sub villains and, everything and the the people who are the protagonists who are sometimes also villains like it just makes you think about humanity in general and it's a good it's a good thing but it's also like oh this is heavy so <laughs> but yeah those are just a couple of specific scenes that really kind of stuck out to me but because i mean we kind of already talked about the other ones but yeah it just um yeah it was just really it was very intense and I will say like, I'm not surprised at necessarily the outcome of who won the game, but I can't say that I wasn't rooting for other people at times to win because <laughs> there were some other people I was like, man, if this person won, I think I'd be all right with that. I think maybe two or three episodes in, I'm like, man, a lot of these people, all of these people probably are going to die and that sucks because they're good characters, but that's what they want. 
you know, the show was so good and effective in doing what it wanted to do, making you feel how it wanted to make you feel. And you can't fault it for that. Like it really did its job in the entertainment, but also contemplate your life thing that it did. So yeah, it it really was a fascinating show. I think intense and fascinating are the two words that do best describe this show. Um, with a couple of those things, uh, I do think it's funny that we keep calling her the annoying woman when she's actually one of the characters mm-hmm. that's kind of drastically changed because of translations and subtitles and all that stuff. Because there's that scene where she's kind of explaining her life earlier in the show, and she's like, I think in the the version we get, it's a, she says something like. I'm not smart, but I'm not dumb or something like that. Where like a more accurate translation of what she says. She's it's more or less is I'm not book smart, but I'm street smart. Like I know how to survive. I know how to, Mm. you know, she's that type of person that, you know, you can put her in a situation and she can learn to survive or adapt or she's got that type Mm. of mentality, even if she's not street or like book smart like a lot of people would consider is that she's just a character that is more or less concerned with survival. And that's very much her character throughout this. She does whatever she can to, to, to survive. And so it's like those little things, like the way it translates, her character is not portrayed the most accurate way due to translations. But I think if you actually look at what her character does and not necessarily what she says every time, but if you look at her character's actions throughout the show, yeah. it more it lines up with what her character was supposed to be in the original Korean. I mean, and to her to her credit, like she did exactly what she said she was going to do. She told that guy she was going to make sure he he died. <laughs> she told him, "I'm going to kill you before this game is over. You're going to die, and I'm going to be the one to kill you." And she totally did that. If nothing else, she was true to her word. And, you know, credit for that. You know what I mean? Like, I do think her, while I did for sure find her character annoying for the most part, but again, you're right. I think it could have been the translation or the dubbing over making it seem like she is more annoying than she actually was. There are some qualities about her that, like, I wish they would have been just a little bit more explored because she probably, I mean, she had the potential to be, like, this really interesting character in it and i and not that she wasn't but she could have been more interesting if that makes sense no definitely and another thing too i think the reason why you didn't get as much explanation behind the the brothers and the cop and that stuff is i do think a lot of that stuff will be in season two because i think season two will focus less on the games themselves and kind of more about the mechanism behind them because it will okay. be yeah, that guy fair. trying to take them down, you know? So I think it'll focus more on that side of it. And I also, I don't think the yeah. brother's dead. I don't think the cop's dead. He shot him in the shoulder. Yeah, I don't think it, he right? killed him. Shot yeah. him in the shoulder. Shot him in the shoulder. He went off the cliff. That's very much, and it didn't show him fall. Like it showed him fall off the cliff, but it didn't show him land, you know? Right. So that very much is the recipe <laughs> of that character will be back in season two. They did every right. trope they could. To be like, this character will be back in season two. So, 
And another thing I'm wondering that they might do in the next season is like something that I actually missed, like completely missed during, during one of the episodes with the VIPs, the guys wearing the masks, those terrible men. Um, I was watching like a, a video about it and like, apparently like he makes, he makes some kind of reference to like, Oh, the, this country's games are the best, you know, basically implying that there is, there's, there's squid games around the world <laughs> or in other countries. Like it's not just this one that we watched. So, and I thought that was interesting. And I totally missed that when, when that was said, I guess. Um, but yeah, and I'm like, well, that could be a very interesting thing to add to season two and an interesting concept in general. Like maybe that's what they're trying to set up saying like, Hey, if we do other seasons, it can be about other games, like other squid games in other places. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. But I, I really do think a lot of that stuff will play on season two. And I do think you will end up getting some of those answers. Um, Justin, what about you? Yeah, just to go back to episode six real quick. Yeah, for a lot of the reasons that you outlined, Heather, that's the reason why I felt like that was my favorite episode. I just liked the 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 twist of the fact that, you know, they say partner up with one other person and these people think that they're going to get to work together and then finding out, nope, you're going to compete with this person for marbles and one of you is going to be dead. So I just liked the twist of that. And then it was just a whole episode, kind of almost a countdown, if you will, of what is going to happen to these characters, you know, and what are they going to do and different things like that. So I just like uh, all of the scenarios that brought about. I like how you did get to see some of the true natures of some of the characters like you guys um, talked about his um, his classmate friend number 218 uh, Song Wu and his by any means necessary and everything that kind of happened with him and Ali I was like man dude that was like that that was crazy man how he got Ali but it also kind of harkens back to and then that's another thing about this show it's just this is just a champion of foreshadowing like Ali like I love the cyclical nature and how some of these characters got it like you know early in the story when we're introduced to Ali what is he doing He's grabbing a money envelope, stealing it from his boss, right? And running away. And then how is he killed? His marbles are stolen. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of just cyclical things that happen to characters like that. The criminal crook guy that are, um, and I keep calling her the annoying girl. That's just kind of a buzzword, but, um, but but you know I'll go ahead and say at least her number and um and everything just so uh but um 
me Nio or the 212, you know, the one, the criminal that's killed by her, you know, earlier in the show when he's talking to his crew and he's talking about, you know, trying to rob the squid game people, what does he do? They turn on him and he jumps off that bridge to escape them. And then ultimately, how is he killed? He's killed when 212 grabs, grabs him and they both fall off of the glass bridge. There's a lot of stuff in there like that. Just a lot of little tidbits where they sort of foreshadow all of these things. Um, back to the Song Woo character, the by any means necessary, um, friend or whatever you know earlier in the show what is he doing he's in a bathtub and he's wet he's got this tuxedo on and he's contemplating suicide right like he almost does it but he doesn't and then ultimately at the end of the show what is he doing he's in a tuxedo he's wet because he's raining and he does ultimately kill himself so that 456 can be the winner there's so much like great stuff like that in the show that i caught on the second time that i watched it and just almost the cyclical nature or even um the the two women that we were talking about in episode six uh number 67 uh cyborg and then the other uh chick that ultimately um dies in that episode well she was um telling the story about you know her father and how she found her mother dead lying on the floor and the father was standing over the mother with the knife and then you know she tells the story about how her father was killed and it was her standing over with the knife like they've got a lot of these cyclical things in there um the, the the foreshadowing between number one and 456 man like there's a part in episode six where he um number one takes his jacket off and he says here wear this jacket you know they may not acknowledge you or they may look down upon you if you're not wearing your jacket and he gives him the number one jacket which we know now that 456 kind of becomes the one right he's the one who ultimately wins the squid game so there was just a lot of great stuff like that but i really just enjoyed all of those characterizations going a little bit deeper into who people were in episode six so i just thought that all of that was uh was great um and yeah the the story with the undercover cop and everything like that and them just kind of showing um kind of what some of these other these authoritarian people are what the front man and his uh players were doing and everything like that and i don't know i just got so many different interpretations from that like um and i was telling somebody this in the chat this just works so much better when you look at it through the lens as an allegory for our socioeconomic system or the system in general, whatever the case it may be, because then I just feel like everything makes so much sense. You know, you have these people playing the squid game and, you know, you've got these poor people, these underprivileged people and stuff like that, or the, you know, number one, the rich guy doing it for fun. You know, you got all these people playing the squid game and then there's this upper level where you have the front man and these other people and stuff like that. 
And notice how I just found it very telling that these people all wear masks. They're almost unrecognizable. And they, you know, and even though, you know, you've got these squid game contestants down here and they're all assigned a number, you know, kind of like how in our system, you know, we all are assigned a number. We all got social security numbers, right? But like, even in that upper level, they all had a number, right? There was a number designated for them. They were wearing masks. They were unrecognizable. You couldn't tell any of them apart. And all the only thing that really separated their identity was what they were doing. You know, you had square people, triangle people, and circle people. And they each had different jobs or different tasks and all that kind of stuff. And look at their lives. What would they do at the end of every night? They go into these rooms that seemed like prison cells, or they basically were. So they were going, they were in these prison cells, and they're living in these tight quarters, and then you're fed a meal, and then you get up, you put your mask on, and you continue with whatever the task is you're doing and stuff like that. And I think that that was just a very telling way of saying that even at this upper level, you're still kind of being controlled. You're still kind of a prisoner to this game. You know, you may have a higher status. You may be somebody who is in this upper place, but even you can be killed. There's another authoritarian. There's a rich person. There's a person with more power that even you can get it. You know, if you're not doing your job or if you're masked, if you reveal yourself, you're killed because who you are doesn't matter. It's more about what you have to do. You know, your job, your function, different things like that. The fact that the front man was a winner was very telling to me, too, because he won. But what is he doing? He's back in the system, just fulfilling a bigger role to perpetuate the system, to perpetuate the squid game, to make he's now an agent to make sure that it continues. So the cycle continues. You know, it just feels like none of this was done without some sort of thought into this whole allegory. The cyclical nature of a lot of the characters, the cycle that is this system that we're in, regardless of the status, regardless of sometimes how you can move up, be promoted and different things like that. In a way, you're still the prisoner to this game, you know, trying to get a higher status, thinking that if you do these things, then you are immune from what could happen to you. But the results could still happen to you, you know, and then you've got these VIPs, these super privileged like VIP people and Sure, they could lend a helping hand and maybe help some of these underprivileged people, but they'd rather sit and look and bet on their lives as if they're horses, right? They made that horse analogy like you're all just horses that these people are betting on and stuff like that. And just this idea, like how number one looked at them, how he was like, you know, look at these people, they'll do anything for money and everything like that. But Oftentimes, I think the disconnect between the haves and the have-nots is sometimes the haves don't ask why people are doing that. Well, why are they like this? Why are they poor? Why do they do these things? Because breaking down the why kind of gets to the truth and 
different things like that. And we kind of don't want to hear that. We'd rather just remain in this system where these people are over here, these people over there. And how can we benefit off of these people? And it's just back to that whole allegory of this system where you have a lot of these privileged people kind of taking advantage of these poor people. So I think even in that, you find these parallels and you see these things like it feels like it all goes together in some way. And just to talk about the ending a little bit, I think that it was just very fitting that in that final game that they played, number one at 456, you know, they're betting on whether or not somebody would help this person. And, you know, I thought it was very fitting that when number one, Ilnan, whenever he lost the bet, he died. You know, it was still the same way. You know, they were going against each other. And on his deathbed, he lost that bet. He was the loser. He died. And um, there were a lot of people in my comment section, or at least a few people that were like, at the end of this, when 456 uh, G9, I think that was his name, when he wouldn't go um see his daughter like i guess almost a year or maybe more than a year it went by and he hadn't gone to see his daughter he wasn't spending this money and they were like man you know there were people that told me like i just don't believe that he would not go see his daughter you know that was something that he would have definitely done you know all the 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 story up to this point and blah 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 why didn't he go do that and i don't know man uh just to kind of talk about that for a little bit I liked what this character did. I liked the fact that he was consumed with guilt and everything that it took in order to attain this money. So even though he won, he was quote unquote the winner. What did it cost to win? How many people did he have to see die in order to win? Like, uh, so it's just the amount of PTSD and all that. I think it's being drastically under like recognized by people that are like, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know certain, you know, we've seen it before. Like there are army vets and people like that who saw one person die. And that was enough to give them problems with their lives. Just seeing one person die in that way. I've known people who have, have had a traumatic experience or something or some, where somebody just got hurt really bad, like gravely injured and they survived and that still traumatized them, that still debilitated them in a certain way. So imagine seeing 400 and something odd people die, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in this game and you've got all this money and like, I think it was very telling not only the PTSD of it, but the guilt, the, the the shame of that, the the feeling that he didn't deserve it, the person that he had to, to to become and what he had to go through in order to get that money. He wasn't even spending it. He was still borrowing money. He didn't want to have anything to do with that squid money. And I could see him being the kind of person in his mind being like, Am I even worthy of going to see my daughter? The the money, if I could see my daughter, but that might mean spending some of that money. Do I want to do that? 
Do I want to reward myself with this vacation of my daughter and do all of that if it means that all those people had to die in order for me to do it? You know, I think that there was a part of this character that he just didn't feel he was worthy to do that. And in the end, what does he decide to do? The only way to do something about this is to break the system, is to somehow stop the squid game. You have to, the only way to truly win is to break the system. And that's what our character sets out to do at the end, because otherwise it will just continue to happen. You know, the, the, the VIP that you were talking about, Heather, that talked about there are these other squid games in other countries and stuff, you know, but these games over here are the best ones. But the fact that it happens in other countries, uh, yeah. How many oppressive systems exist in other countries? You know, we know they exist. We see news articles about them. People talk about their experiences when they come to America. You know, people, we know that these things exist. Yeah, there are other people kind of trapped in their own sort of squid game, their own kind of socioeconomic game where it's not fair and people are just kind of in this endless cycle. So I really just thought that that was also great at the end. I wasn't a person who uh, walked away from this, not satisfied with the ending. I thought that the ending was perfect, especially looking at it through that allegorical lens. And y'all are making all these comparisons to Saul. Uh, when um, player number one does the Saw moment at the end and you find out that he's still alive, which to me is kind of comparable to when Jigsaw got up, you know, at the beginning of that first Saw movie and you're like, oh, it just didn't have he's been cool alive music. the whole time. I know, huh? That's all it was missing, huh? Was just the Saw theme music. I didn't see that coming. I thought that that was tight. So bravo to them for actually coming up with a plot twist that you can also track back and for the most part makes sense with the narrative that they set up and still all perfectly ties into this uh this allegory that is this narrative well that's a very good point justin it's it's like the anti last night in soho because it doesn't lie to you to get that ending i don't feel like it lied to you it had it left clues it left all kinds of stuff for you to see that 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 he was not a part of everything. You know what I mean? They did not lie to you. At first I was like, wait a second, we saw him die. And then you like think back and you're like, no, we didn't see him die. We saw him go in a room and we heard a gunshot, but we didn't see him die. So I was like, they did not lie to us. And I think that that's what makes it a genuinely good twist ending is the fact that they didn't lie to you to get to that point. They gave you clues, it lines up, so you don't feel cheated by it. The only issue I had with the ending in the movie, and this might be a cultural thing, is I didn't understand why he dyed his hair that color. That's the only issue I had with the ending of this show, was that. Because I I didn't get why he would do that. Everything else made complete sense. Like you said, Justin, him, like the, the PTSD, and on top of that, survivor's guilt, which is a real thing, like... You yeah. end up feeling like you shouldn't be the one to survive. 
you shouldn't have been the one to survive everything. And all that on top of everything, like, you know, that makes complete sense to me. Cause it's like, well, why would he want to go see his daughter? Because at that point he's afraid of who he is at this point. Why would he want to be around his daughter? He doesn't, he's having a crisis of identity with himself on top of everything. Like that makes yeah. complete sense to me. I just didn't understand the bright red hair. That's the only thing I didn't get, but maybe that is a very like Korean specific cultural thing that I just don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what that yeah. is. Other than that, I, that's the one thing I didn't get. I was like that color hair. Really? And I know that like in our culture, a lot of times people, when they change their hair color, it's because they're, change their they're they're changing their attitude they're trying to you know a lot of times when people when when the people that i've known that do that or just social media and stuff like that a lot of times a hair change usually signifies a change in the person's ideology or some sort of feeling that they're feeling at that time or something like that and you know just what we know just artistically from the color red what is it you know the color of passion rage um it can be the color of anger different things like that which are all things that the character was feeling you know oh i get Um, all that because it's like the new hair new me type of scenario uh yeah no i get all that it's just it was it was so bright it was just such a bright red (laughs) i was like whoa that's intense no but i get what you're saying like yeah the new hair new me type of philosophy it's you know it might be a small change, but it's something you do to like catalyze changing something about yourself too. And all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, all that mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, I did the same thing when I fucking shaved all my hair off, you know, I get it. It it really can. And it can transform you. It can transform your outlook on life. And it's really small. Like it might seem small, like the changing your hairstyle can do that. But like I said, I went from fairly long hair to just none. It does. It changes. It changes your outlook because it changes how people perceive you. You know, it does. I get all that. It's just like I said, it was a very intense red. It's the, the color of our red record buttons on our mixers. You know, it's just a very intense red. So that's just what threw me off was that. Um, but yeah. The rest of the ending, no, to me, it makes complete sense. Even the whole, whenever he finds out the games are still happening and him then just being consumed with, like you said, of, ending the games you know yeah and you know that that's what it is there is no perfect way for this system to be you know maybe the best solution is it needs to end because there's no because obviously there's no perfect way for it to be and you know, I think that that was just a great way to end it. You know, we've seen what some of the other winners would do. We saw what the creator was about was, you know, was just making sure that the game continues. We saw what another winner of the game did. He became the front man and just continued the ongoing tradition of the games. But at some point, it takes someone or some people to say, we have to change this system. It's not working. It's not effective. We've got the disparity between who has land, money, and opportunities versus who doesn't. Like, 
you, you know, when is are we going to have those, you know, when are we going to ultimately change this system? So I think that that's just important to say if you're having reservations about the ending. Like, I think when you look at this film through that lens, I, I don't know how they couldn't have had, I don't know what other better ending there could have been like. And then, like you said, just um, with the, the possibility of there being a season two, you, like you said, I agree. I think that they, they will get into more like the, the, the makeup of the squid games and you'll get to find out a little bit more detail about it and different things like that. And who knows if that will necessarily be better. I don't know if, it can get the same kind of feelings that we got from this because, you know, the first thing like this always has the advantage because it's new. We don't know what to expect. We don't know uh, what this is. And part of it is the curiosity of experiencing it the first time, kind of what Heather was talking about. So this will always have that advantage. So, you you know, and so so part of me is like, man, a season two, I don't know how you follow this, you know? I love it ending with just that lesson of somebody's got to break, the system's got to end. You know, somebody's got to, do. We, we've got to change it. I really like that ending, but I guess we'll see uh, what happens in a season two. But but I think that that's just so important to, to self-reflect and think about just how we all are tied to this thing. You know, th- they were playing games that were presented to them from childhood. Some of the games, same games we played as a child. The one thing that me and Devin talked about, and for the listeners, Devin uh, is an, an old colleague of ours that was on here with us, and we all friends still talk to him and everything. But one thing me and him talked about was how complicit everybody is in the game. Like the the, the idea that. Everybody could have voted and the, the, at any given time. And, you, and we've t- all talked about it. And the games would have stopped. Um, I'm looking at that money and going, man, dude, like, I mean, there was enough money there probably for everybody. And maybe in some of these scenarios, if they had just worked together more, there would have been some scenarios where more people would have survived and that would have been okay. Yes, some people would have died, um, but most of them would have survived. If there was some scenario, like you talked about, what if everybody got their shoes together and threw them out there and all that kind of stuff? But that would require everybody thinking, or at least them thinking, if we were together, this will be better. But our system and the way that we preach competition and even just how we grow up with these concepts of winning and losing and winning is doing all of these things and being successful and look how successful these wealthy people are and look at these people who set goals and do things and look they have because they did these things and this is what you need to do to win you know a lot of these things are taught to us very early in life and then we just be kind of become a part of this game and the whole thing about you know if you don't want to play you're automatically eliminated well if you think about it even that is very telling too because 
I mean, because you can say you don't want to play this game. You can say, man, I don't want to be a part of society. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a prisoner of the, the economy and jobs and stuff like that. But I mean, but, but, but how many scenarios are there where you have that option? You have to play. You have to get a job. You have to pay your bills. You have to, most people have to play. You know, if you don't play, you will be eliminated. So I just hope that who for whoever sees this, they walk away with some of that. They, they walk away with just how profound this really is with how it talks um, about those messages um, and, and, and everything like that. Uh, you know, um, I, I just think that it's just so important to walk away understanding some of those things. So just wanted to say that last little thing about it. But yeah, man, this was great stuff, man. There's a lot of great stuff in here. Well, I mean, in, in going back to one of the things you brought up earlier, it's like, the easiest way or the best way to dismantle a system or the people that are in power are the ones that have to actually dismantle it. The people without the power can't. So now that he does have power now, cause he, he, he has what, like $40 million now, you know, like he, he now has money like, and he's a winner and he knows how the system within the squid game is like, that's how you, you know, re that's how you beat that, you know? Yeah. Like that's the only possible way, you know, ideally, yeah. Like the thing is too, it's like, yeah, everybody could vote no and you don't have a squid games that year, but then who's to say they just don't get 456 other people to play the game the fucking next week. Exactly. Like that's just how that is. And I was reading some stuff on, on the Korean debt system and stuff like that. So the idea of using organs or your body to cover your debt isn't actually a thing in, in, in Korea or an active thing anymore. It used to be a thing that people would use and it wouldn't be something that was like accurate. It would be a very much a scare tactic kind of way of pay your debt or I'm going to come take your eyeball. Um, but it was never a legal thing to do. And I was reading something, you know, with a, a lot of the stuff and like just the debt situation there is just insanely out of control. You know, while they have, legal institutions to you know give loans and stuff like that like most situations they you know if you're poor you're not getting a loan so that's what that is and so a lot of these people have to go to privatized lenders and stuff like that where they don't have legal caps on interest rates and stuff like that to where there are some loans that people are taking out that are like at 215 percent interest for a year you know so if you take something out, yeah, you need that money, but then it's like, how, you're going to be paying back 215% every year until that loan's paid off. Like it's astronomically impossible in the scenarios and it's, it's meant to further debt. And it's, it's one of those situations where if you watch, you watch something like this and I know you were talking about how there's a lot of countries you could see this playing out and all this other stuff. I still think this could easily play out in the United States with all our situations and all this stuff, we don't really yeah. have fair debt protections for uh, no. consumers. Um, we have a slightly better way to isolate uh, business debt from personal debt that, you know, they don't have in Korea. If your business fails in Korea, you're personally responsible for it, no matter what. 
and it counts against your personal credit rating. Whereas there are some protections against that in the United States. That's where somebody in this isn't necessarily a, uh, a swipe at this person, but like somebody like Donald Trump has been able to file bankruptcy numerous times on businesses and that's never affected his personal credit. And that doesn't affect him mm. personally. Where in Korea would you have one bankrupt bankruptcy from a business in Korea and just nobody will touch you. Nobody wants to give you any loans, even if it's a personal loan, you know? So there, there is the, that disparity there versus here. But if you just look at here, like medical bills and all this other stuff, like I've never seen a movie that goes for the love of God, have universal healthcare more than this movie. Like Jesus, like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. he goes back into the squid games cause his mother's dying of diabetes, you know, and then dies while he's in, you know, and yeah. that wouldn't be the case if there was like universal health care there and stuff like that. And it's the same situation here. Like people end up just hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for college or for hospital bills or for any of these like things. And it's like, that's how you get the fucking squid games is that shit. Like the, all those things lead to squid games. Like mm-hmm. we already do versions of that now with, you know, there are a lot of people like, how many people like poor people like what is their retirement plan playing the lottery that's their retirement plan is the lottery the lottery Mm -hmm. you know that's a version of the squid games now is it like gonna get you shot if you don't win that version of the lottery that week no but you're still playing with your future life like yeah you might be living paycheck to paycheck now and be fine enough but then when you're retired and you're living on social security because you have no retirement. You then now are kind of playing like that, that game of, will you be able to live your life just off social security? And the answer is for most Americans, no, especially because the cost of living's constantly going up every year. And it's not like those benefits or anything like that are going up every year, you know, and stuff like that. So it's like, and there's also the huge risk of, Will we have social security later on? Because, you know, it's financially not viable right now. There's a good chance that people our age, whenever it's time for us to retire, might not have social security at all. And so there's those aspects of it that it's, they're kind of playing a version of the squid games with their future life because of stuff like that, you know, and it's all because there's no real social safety nets in our country and the ones that we do have are constantly under threat of of attack and all kinds of things. I mean, Mm -hmm. consumer protections are constantly, you know, being just whittled away. And then you look at things like, you know, if you go to the doctor and they fuck up, there's more laws protecting the doctor that fucks up than your right to not have the doctor fuck up on you. In a lot of cases. (laughs) And so then whenever the doctor fucks up and you're fucked for the rest of your life, there's a chance that you're not financially covered for it. And then you have to file for disability, which is one of those things too, where you're just kind of being given small amounts of money, but who's to say that's going to be enough to live on. But then you can't necessarily get a job because if you get a job, then you can't collect the disability. So it's like this endless cycle of financial destitution. I mean, 
the costs of college are going up and up and up, and therefore a lot of people are more taking out more private loans because even just you know government backed loans aren't enough to co- cover most colleges. Therefore, you're also having to give it private loans, and so you're coming out of college needing an entry level job, just tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to start your life, and it never goes away. It just never goes away. It's sad when you see doctors who are considered like the top tier money makers in our country are still like, yeah, I've been paying on my student loans for 25 years. <laughs> and they're fucking doctors. They mark maybe yeah. more money than most people. And you expect other people to be able to fucking pay that shit back. Like it's, I've never seen a movie that just screams for love of God, get your country a fucking social safety net. And that's why I think that the United yeah. States is just breeding ground for that shit. I mean, there are people out there that think that it is financially reasonable if people are allowed to sell themselves into slavery, like to work for people. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of fucking country we live in with a lot of stuff. It's, it's, and like you said, Justin, you can, you know, you could not want to, you know, be a part of the quote unquote capitalist system all you want, but. I mean, it's going to be really kind of hard to eat. Yeah. Or exactly. go to a doctor you, ever. Or... Exactly. How are you going to do it? How can you do it? You, you, you have to play. I mean, even modern farming practices, like, require just even a modicum amount of just capitalism. You know, and I'm not trying to necessarily say that capitalism is inherently bad or anything like that. That's a whole other discussion that I'm not trying to get into on this podcast right now. But with our system, it's just very hard to not, you have to be a part of it. You just have to. Even if you hate it, you have to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I hate, I hate with a passion medical insurance companies. The idea of insurance alone is garbage because you'll pay money forever and it's hit or miss whether or not they'll give you fucking money back for what you're supposedly paying money for. That includes car insurance, renter's insurance, any type of insurance. It's hit or miss. But like medical insurance to me is the worst because you need to be a fucking doctor or a fucking lawyer to understand the fucking terms in what you're agreeing to. But you have to have it or otherwise you're going to be broke. If you have anything slightly reasonable happen to you, you know, medically. But then on top of that, even if you have insurance, you're still probably going to be broke if you get most types of things. Most medical insurance will find a way that if you have cancer, to not pay for 90% of your shit if they don't have to. That's just like, like, because I'm going through, like, because we just did, like, enrollments at my company, like, a couple of weeks ago. It's like, do you want cancer coverage? I'm like, what the fuck is my health insurance then? Like, does my health insurance not cover yeah. cancer? What the fuck is this? Yeah, like, I know, right? Man. You know, like, my health insurance now, and I won't say the name of the company, but my health insurance now has that if I go to the ER three times in a year and they deem that they're not emergencies, I get a $500 penalty for every other time I go to the ER. So now I have to have enough medical knowledge to know what the fuck an emergency is or not now? What the fuck? 
Like, what is that? How am I supposed to yeah. know? Like, if I fall and I break my leg at like, say it's like 11 o'clock at night or whatever, there's no urgent cares open at 11 o'clock at night. I can only go to the emergency room to fix my broken leg at that time. But that's not technically in a medical emergency because my life isn't being threatened by a broken leg. It technically could because like if you break your thigh, like your femur, that could hit that femoral artery and that could kill you. But you're supposed to know that or not. But like I have to like decide whether or not it's worth going there now to get my leg fixed or I might have to pay a $500 penalty. What the fuck is that garbage? And that's just allowed. And I don't have a choice because my company doesn't really offer that many different insurance options. You know? So, like, I'm stuck with that. And it, it, it's just, that's just a part of life now. Of being a fucking mid-30s and up person. Is I have to know what insurance shit is. I didn't have insurance yep. for a lot of my fucking adult life. For pretty much, I think from the age of 20 eh, till about uh, 33, 34, somewhere in there. So essentially 14 years of my life, I didn't have fucking medical insurance. So I don't know what half this shit is. But yeah, like, and I have to decide, like I get a week every year to decide if, if I want to keep this plan or go to a shittier plan or a better plan and I'm supposed to know which one is the shittier plan or the better plan. I don't even fucking know yeah. the difference. Yeah. But like, that's the type of situation we're in. And those types of things are like directly related to this type of fucking show because somebody could be doing what they think is the best decision for them and their family. Like, you know, starting a business and that business goes under. Now you're just hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and there's no way, real way out of it. So you have to squid games yourself. Mm-hmm. It's those which types of situations. Kind of, yeah, which is kind of what happened to 456, right? He tried to start all these other businesses, and they failed. He wasn't just a deadbeat dad who didn't try and was gambling his life away and was just a stupid idiot. You know, it may have seemed that way initially because of how he was being treated how people looked at him uh how sometimes it's so easy to assign um the value of a person to what they're making or how successful they are or how much money they have whatever the case may be but then you come to find out he had tried he had opened all these businesses they just failed you know and he was like, but he was somebody who tried and it just didn't work out for him, you know? And I think th th that's a lot of what you're talking about. And so what was he doing? Kind of gambling. Like, like he was doing lottery stuff with the horse gambling and all this other stuff and had all this debt. You know, it's very similar to what you're talking about now. Well, I think that that's just something like the, the image that when we see him first in the show. That's kind of what he had just become. You know, when you start losing the ability to have opportunities, you take what opportunities you can, which in his case is gambling and fucking loan sharks. 
Because in a system like Korea's, like I was saying, business debt isn't separated from personal debt. So by having two or three small like or small businesses fail, nobody wants to give you money. Nobody wants to give you loans. Nobody even wants to like you then end up starting having problems getting jobs. If they start doing credit checks, if they need, if you need a background check to get a job or this specific job, and they do a background check, they look at you going, oh, you're a huge liability. We don't want you. Well, how the fuck are you going to pay back your fucking loans and stop being a liability if you can't get the fucking jobs that help you pay back the loans? So then what do you do? You take whatever fucking money you can get. You get a little small amount of money. You fucking gamble it. You might make more money. Then you can make payments on shit. You can actually do stuff. You know, that changes what you can and can't do when you have opportunities or don't have opportunities. When you don't have opportunities, you have to take whatever money you can. And if you can make that money more money, that's a lot easier than having to try to like work another fucking three weeks to get that same amount of money. It makes complete sense. Now, is it the smartest decision? No, but sometimes when you're backed up against a fucking wall, People don't make the smartest decisions or they make the, just the best decision they can at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, then you get into whole other aspects of things because then you also can look at that type of stuff when it's like, you know, like, well, like whenever it comes to like selling drugs or those types of things that are illegally making money and stuff like that. Like, how do you get into them? Well, if you don't have opportunities, but you have this and it can make you money and all this other stuff. It's a lot easier to do that, even if it is illegal, than to take the opportunities that are there that aren't even worth it. If you can deal drugs and make, I don't know, let's just throw out a number. Let's just say like six grand a month selling drugs. Or you can make two grand a month fucking, you know, working at a gas station. A lot of people are going to choose the six grand. Even if it is illegal. Now, I know a lot of people sit there and say, well, they shouldn't choose that because it's illegal. Yeah, but at the same time, you're more or less being told, hey, do you want to make six grand a month or two? <laughs> the six grand has more risk. That's it. Like, there are those aspects of all cultures. That's a big part of, of, of culture here. And it's a big, apparently, a big part of culture. It's a big part of culture everywhere, really. You know? It's just like, how do people not look at the hum- the human side of it all when you're like, oh, you can make four grand extra a month, but it just might be illegal. But if you're making six grand a month, you know, your fucking kids have food, they have clothes, they have this and that. You have food, you have a roof over your head and all this other shit. Making two grand a month, you might not have any of that. So now you get to the socioeconomical mm-hmm. aspects of crime that still mm-hmm. ties in very much into this. Yeah. And then, you know, harkens back to some of those characters saying it's worse out there than it is in here. <laughs> you know, like, why do we want to go back to that over there? You know, I'd rather be in this squid game you know it's worse it's worse out there than it is in here and yeah maybe and not in a literal sense there's nobody shooting you on red light red light green light but 
like I said, man, there is not a wasted line in this thing, you know, like where you're in it, you know, whether you believe it or not, you know, you're watching this thing being entertained going, oh man, what would I do in this and that and this and that, uh, you know what you're doing. Just think about your situation right now. That's what you're doing. You are playing the game. I mean, I make I make okay money at homie. my job. Like I make okay money at my job. But then somebody goes, "Hey man, here's 40 million dollars." Shit. I don't know what the fuck I do for 40 million dollars. Cuz nobody's ever gone, "Hey, do this for 40 million dollars." I've never had the opportunity to turn down 40 million dollars before. I don't know what the fuck I do. Because it's always different whenever the situation's real. Like I tried to sell a car once back in the day and I wanted 15, I wanted 1500 for it. And a guy came, he test drove the car and he's like, yeah, I want it. I'm like, cool. And he goes, here's a grand in cash right here. And I was like, yeah, but I want 1500. And he's like, yeah, but here's a grand right here in cash. Damn right. I took the grand. (laughs) Because it was fucking cash right there. You know? Yeah. Fuck what I wanted. That grand was sitting right there. So I took that. You know, like that's what it was. You know, it's so like I said, I've never had the opportunity to turn down forty million dollars. So I think technically it was like thirty eight million, but still, what's two million when it's thirty eight or forty million? Um but yeah, I don't know what I do. I mean somebody could walk up to me on the street tomorrow and go yeah, you'll punch that old lady and I'll give you a million dollars. I might punch that old lady, I'm telling you. I'd like to think I wouldn't. Because, you know, nobody wants to admit they're going to just walk up and punch some old lady, but <laughs> you got a million dollars in cash right there. I might punch a bitch. I'm, not, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm at least self-aware enough to know that I might do it. And forty million—that's the difference, you know. Like I said, the no, whole point was—it's life-changing money. And when you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and you're offered forty million dollars, yeah, that is life-changing money. You know. So, hey. I can't necessarily blame anybody in there. I'm not going to be on a moral high horse and said I wouldn't have done any of that shit. I've also, I mean, I'm in debt, but I'm not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So, you know, what can I say? Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about this? No. Nah, I'm good. Man, now I am on record saying I might punch an old lady for a million bucks. All right, let's be real. I'd probably punch a bitch for a hundred thousand. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, so on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Cinema Slayers face, uh, podcast on Facebook or Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram or Cinema Slayers Pod on Twitter. Only got like one month left for the love of God. Then I'll be done and. I'll still keep doing stuff on TikTok when all this is done. I just will not be doing a fucking movie a day or any of that shit. I'll probably be doing like one or two things maybe a week at that point. Um, Because, yeah. Anyway, um, 
shout out to plug Migo and Mudo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends, and especially tell those dear sweet mothers. Cause everybody knows mothers love watching people get shot playing red light, green light. It's a weird fact, but if you have a baby, you now like that stuff. So who knows? Just a weird thing. Uh, and as I was in our TikToks and the podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. And you missed a huge opportunity. You should have sang the million, million dollar man's theme song. Oh, I should have. Come on. Oh, I should have. Come on. It just lines Dang. up. It just lines up so well. I know. And that was tight too, how they use that classical music. Normally that's associated with like I associate that music with like silly things or something elegant or something like that. And now that song is just impending doom because of this. So Bravo on that, you know, having them right. hear that background music and walking into the stairway with vibrant colors and everything before they do something horrible to each other. Great stuff. Hey, it's all about taking down the bourgeoisie, man. 